to do. So, but I feel like the word that I have for you tonight, it's not about Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, I gave that a couple weeks ago. But I just really had this in my heart. And I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said there's someone, well, I think it's good for everybody. It was good for me when I was studying. But I feel like somebody specifically needs to hear this word tonight. And uh, the title is Free from Regrets, Grief, and Sorrow. And I'm not necessarily talking about grief from the loss of a, of a family member or a person that you love. We do have those griefs um, that come along from time to time as we've experienced. But I'm going to talk about regrets mostly, things that you might be grieving over or sorrowing over, um, decisions and things that have happened to you, but not just what has happened to you, but maybe some choices that you made that you regret, some things that you thought, man, why did I do that? You know, sometimes, I don't know if it's a marriage, if it's uh, an investment with your monies, it's a, a, a job maybe that you chose to do or something you didn't do and now you're regretting that you should have done it. Uh, probably everybody here, can you raise your hand if you have any regrets in your life? Yeah, we all do. And so kind of what spurred this was, um, uh, you know, we were rerouted, and I won't get into it, but we were rerouted Sunday night in our trip <laughs> to Vegas. We were going to Colorado Springs, and I kept saying, why are we going to Vegas? We're trying to get to Colorado Springs. It was three hours to Vegas, an hour layover, and then another two hours to Colorado Springs, and then an hour and a half up the mountain. So by the time we got up to the mountain, it was one in the morning after we did church on Sunday, had our um, appreciation dinner and all that. It was a crazy, busy day. So my point is, I'm sitting in Vegas. I've never, I've been to Vegas one time, but not the airport, and we're sitting in the airport. Has anybody been to um, the Vegas airport? And I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, man, this place has got to be full of regrets. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, and I start, I, I automatically just start going into places in the spirit where things are happening in this place that people might be wishing they hadn't done, hadn't lost their money. You know, Vegas is, you all know what it's all about. And, uh, but I was, and, and Hunt, uh, Braden had some comments to make about it too, and I just thought it was interesting, his little mind and, and all the insight that he had. But, you know, nothing was done intentional that, in Vegas. It was like, there, you know, my word this year is intentional living, and I'm thinking, what are they intentionally doing in this place? They're intentionally throwing away their money with hopes that maybe they'll gain something in the end. And really, in reality, it was unintentional, and they left with a bunch of regrets. And so, I, I don't know, I was just thinking about the whole thing about regrets and how, how many of us have probably had regrets in our life and how are we living in a place where we are redeemed and set free from those regrets? Are we living in our present now intentionally with what God has us called to do, his purpose, his plans for us now? Or are we still kind of looking back on some things that we did in the past and thinking, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that? Maybe it's even just something you said to somebody. Have you ever done that? I did that one time. I, I used to do nails, and I had a client that um, I, I said something that it bothered me. It still bothers me when I think about it. And I said something that was not, I shouldn't have said. And it wasn't terrible, but it was just, I knew better. And, it, and I lost this, this client over it. It was a, it was a bad deal. And um, I still, when I think about it, it makes, I have to put it out of my memory. I can't, I can't go there. I have to say, no, it's under the blood. 
And that's what we have to do with regrets. We can't live in that place of regret, grieving over decisions that we've made, uh, uh, you know, monies that we've spent, relationships that we maybe were in that we shouldn't have been. I don't know, maybe, and this came to me when I was preparing, and maybe someone online, maybe it was an abortion, a loss of a life uh, that you intentionally chose to deliver. Um, it, that's, that could be a regret now, you know, but in, the, in that season, in that time frame, you thought this was the right thing to do. And so you've lived with that feeling of regret and I just want to say to you today that because of the blood, we sang about it tonight, because of the blood, we don't have to live in that place of regret. We don't have to live in that place of grieving over decisions we've made, mistakes we've made, things we've said and done that have been, had negative repercussions possibly in our life, but they keep coming back. Have you ever had things just keep coming back? And so the Lord was really speaking to me about this. And uh, part of understanding, let me, let me say this to you, part of understanding how to operate in the plan of God for your life is being skillful at knowing what is from God and what isn't from God. We become skillful at listening to our spirit to know when a thought comes our way. You know, we know the battlefield is here. It's in the mind, right? And so when a thought comes our way, we need to check it and say, where did that thought come from? And we become more skillful at understanding what the thoughts of God are about us and what the thoughts of the enemy are, are about us. We know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I, I believe he's not just about stealing and killing your stuff. He's about stealing and killing and destroying your faith. Because in the end, what happens when you live in that place of regret, grief, sorrow, I know people who have lived their whole life this way. What it's done is it's stolen their faith, their ability to walk out the plan of God, their ability to stand strong in what God's called them to do, their purpose in life. And if you're always reflecting back on the past, on the regrets, on the things that you said and did and the investments you've made and you lost out on, if you're always looking that way, you're never going to be able to move forward. I know someone who is so hard on themselves, they can't get past just, you know, and I just want to say, perfectionism is not something to brag about. <laughs> I know a lot of times we think, oh, I'm just a perfectionist. Well, there's pride in saying I'm a perfectionist because I want to tell you none of us are perfect. The only place we're perfect is when we are in Christ. And anything that we can do right, anything that we can do well, anything that we can do that is prosperous and blessed is all because of Jesus, because of who we are in Christ, amen? And when we have an understanding of who we are in Christ, that's where we step out of this place of being insignificant to being significant because of who we are in him. Because everything, every confidence, all confidence, all assurity, all ability that we may have is all because of him. But on the other flip side of that, we can't beat ourselves up saying, oh, I'm just stupid. I'm an idiot. I can't do anything. No, the word says that when we're weak, he is strong. So there's a scripture that talks about when we're weak, we step into, I like how one translation says, we step into a portal a portal where we gain strength. There's a place of ability. When we step through that portal, all of a sudden, I've gained an ability to see myself different. You realize that you don't just, it's not just a magic trick. You can't just step into it and say, 
oh, here I am. It's not like Superman where you step into that telephone booth and all of a sudden you've got a new uniform on. It's not like that. No, there is a training. There is a place where you become skillful in understanding who you are. So when these thoughts come, you know how to get rid of them because you've been meditating on who you really are in Christ. We're going to talk about that. The Word of God says that as a man thinks, so is he. So what are you thinking on about yourself? What have you been focused on about yourself? Are you focusing on the regrets? Are you focusing on the grief? Are you focusing on the sorrows? And we're going to talk about this a little bit. But we have to become skillful and recognize what is a diversion and a distraction and then how to discern staying in faith through it all. It's important we stay in faith through it all. Because if we're, if we're going back and forth, you know, James talks about that a, that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He doesn't receive anything from the Lord. So if one day I'm really confident about myself, and then the next day I do something dumb, and I'm regretting, and I'm, I'm, I'm in shame and, and rejection, and that spirit that's trying to just lay me out, then I'm just kind of going back and forth, right? And it's really hard on my, my faith to be built up. We're supposed to be going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength, right? How do we do that? I'm going to tell you, we got to stay in the Word. The Word washes our minds so that we become more skillful at understanding who we are in Christ. And we're not seeing ourselves. When I look in the mirror, I don't just see Kimberly Ann Bear Bierman. I see Kimberly Ann Bierman, who I am in Christ, that I've been redeemed. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And who I am is the confidence that I have is not because of who I am in my own ability, but because of who he is in and through me. And so we have to be careful to stop talking about our negativities. Every one of us have them. All of our insecurities, all of our weaknesses, all of our uh, things that we do that we don't like about ourselves. And the devil will try to magnify those things. He'll make them big in your mind so that all you're focused on is, is what you're not instead of who you really are. And so then when you're meditating on this, then you, you're, you're not becoming skillful at what you're supposed to be becoming skillful at. You're becoming skillful at being under instead of being over. You're operating under the enemy's plan instead of operating out of the plan of God. Do you see what I'm saying? If we can't get this part right, we can't move forward. We can't fulfill the plan of God for our lives because this is part of training. You know, when uh, our, our men go, the military go into training, we have a nephew that just became a drill sergeant, and he's gone through a lot of training. He spent some time in Korea. He spent some time in San Antonio. He's done some, all kinds of things to get to where he's going. It's taken some time for him to become skillful. If you would have known this young man when he was 15, 16 years old, you would have looked at him and thought, Jason, I don't see a drill sergeant in there. He was very timid, very, very insecure, had goofy little ears, you know, sticking out, had a big old, what are those things called? Um, the gauges in his ears. Of course, he had to get those sewn up to be in the Army. But, um, you know, just all kinds of stuff that he was going through, the insecurities, and that you could tell it was, it was coming out of him. And, and I would say this in front of him because that's not who he was. His mind was on who he wasn't. But there's something that's taken place. There's been some training in this, this young man where he's, it's whipped it out of him. He's become a different man. He's another man. 
And when now he's a drill sergeant yelling out commands to people. I can't even imagine it yet. Can you, buddy? <laughs> I'm just, I mean, you can see it on the inside of him, but they've drawn it out of him. Somebody had to pull that out of him. That's what the word of God does for us. It's on the inside of you. It's on the inside of you. But the word of God is going to draw it out of you. And until you get your face in the word of God, you're going to just still remain that quiet, meek, goofy little kid that has the ears flopping around. You know what I'm saying? It's just an example. I'm not saying you're that way. So part of understanding how to operate in the plan of God for your life is becoming skillful at knowing what is God and what isn't. The, the truth versus the lies. We have to become skillful at recognizing what is a diversion and a distraction and then how to discern staying in faith through it all. Regrets can become a, a way of life and it hinders our faith from working. How many know that regrets can become a way of your thinking. It can become a way of your life. If your mind is stay there, it's focused on there. So being entrenched with shame and regrets, it hinders our faith from flowing as it should. We should become faith giants. We should be, if our mind is, is focused, the word says, that will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because what? We trust in him. The peace of God is there for us to guard our hearts and our minds. And if we'll Keep, and the, the scripture is very clear. It says, let the peace of God rule and reign. Let, do not allow, stop allowing these thoughts and things to agitate you, to be afraid. When it says let, when it says do not allow, that means I have something to do with it. It's not just something that just flowers up on the inside of me. Yes, it's on the inside because it's a part of the fruit of the spirit. But I either allow peace to remain or I disallow it by what I'm meditating on. And when I'm meditating on regrets, and, and my weaknesses and the things that I'm not, that does not allow peace to rule and reign in my heart and my mind. Amen? The Word of God says that the kingdom of heaven is neither, neither uh, meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I asked the Lord one day, and I've, I've shared this before, why righteousness, peace, and joy? Why not faith, hope, and love? Why is the kingdom of God to be righteousness, peace, and joy? And he spoke very, very strongly to me. He said, because you are a three-part being. You are spirit, you are soul, and you have emotions. Spirit, soul, and body. There's three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. The, the soul realm is the, the mind, the will, emotions, and then there's the body. He said the, the, the righteousness, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you are. That's your spirit man. The peace of God, the peace is coming to rule and to reign your heart and your mind. That's what guards the emotion, the soulish realm. And then the word of God says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. That strength is medicine to my body. So righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It covers the three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. You get what I'm saying? And so in order for us to be able to feed our spirits, we've got to be in the Word of God to understand who we are. The first one is righteousness. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, but do we know what that means? Righteousness means to have right standing with God. But what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? If you're meditating on negativity, if you're meditating on regrets, on griefs, on sorrow, sorrow is a heavy word. How many have ever sorrowed over something? I've sorrowed over some things in my life. And it's heavy. And it touches my heart. And it takes away the peace that rules my heart. And it carries something that brings a deposit into my spirit that doesn't need to be there. But guess what? Jesus took it all. We're going to talk about it. Let's skip to Isaiah 53, 4. It says, surely he has borne our griefs. 
this is the Amplified. The Amplified says, he's, grown, he's born our griefs, which means our sicknesses, our weaknesses, and our distresses. And he carried, he carried your sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly consider him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. And so I, I want to just stop there because this scripture, we always apply it to our physical, our, our healing. And it is. It's for our healing. But do you know healing is, doesn't just stop in your body? Like I talked about, it's spirit, soul, and body. You need healing. I've seen people that have been broken in their spirit, broken up in their spirit because of what they've gone through. Sometimes you need healing in your spirit. Sometimes you need healing in your emotion, your soulish realm. Can you agree? A little talk back. Sometimes you need healing in your body. But a lot of times we read this scripture in Isaiah and we only apply it to our body. We don't apply it to our spirits and to our emotion. But every part of us needs healing. And every part of us was carried at the cross. Everything that we will ever go through, Jesus carried it on the cross. The sorrow he carried. He carried the distresses. He carried the grief. He carried the regrets, all that we needed to be set free from, he saw ahead of time and he carried it to the cross for you. And so the importance when we're, when we're dealing with regrets and we're dealing with the heaviness of things, what do we do? Do we carry it? Do we walk around? Do we talk about it? You know, a lot of times we think, well, if I can just talk it out, I'll just get rid of it. Well, the more you talk about it, the more you're going to take it in. It's not what comes out of a man's, or what goes into a man, it's what comes out that defiles him, the word says. So it's important that we're careful about what we're talking about. What you talk about is what you magnify, because your spirit's hearing it. You know, we, the word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, and you can hear faith, you can hear it going one way, and you can hear it going another way. If I'm talking about my problem, then my faith is in that situation that I'm talking about. Have you ever noticed when you talk about a problem, you leave feeling heavy? Are you talking, somebody else talking about their problem? There is no answer in talking about the problem. Now, I know you might need to go get some counsel and, and get some things worked out, but then you got to come back to your answer. The answer is the word of God. This is the foundation. This is where we go to for our answer and for our help. Amen? Okay, so are you good? Everybody good? So this scripture is a foundational verse for healing, but it's more. Um, everything, everything that we need is addressed in this verse. Everything. Griefs, sorrows, it covers what's been done to us, but it also covers what's been done by us. Some of us can't get over what I did to myself because of the dumb thing that I did to myself. And we need to let that go. We need to uh, get some answers in the Word of God. <clears throat> the things that trouble us, that there is answer in this scripture for it. We don't have to live under regrets or sorrow, guilt, shame, embarrassment that we've done that robs us of our faith and hinders, hinders our faith. Um, grief is not faith. It's not a, it's not a some people think, well, if I just kind of uh, just feel bad for a while, if I have the victim mentality for a while, that, that I'm doing it justice because I, you know, I did something wrong to somebody, so I need to carry some grief over it for a while. No, you don't. You just need to go to Jesus and say, I, I confess my sin, Lord. I just, I just lay it down at, at your feet. And he doesn't want us to waller in it. How many have ever had your kids come to you and say you're sorry, they're sorry for something? And do you want them to sit there and waller in it? No, you want them to get up and say, well, let me make a different choice next time. Don't, don't waller in it. Don't do it again. But let's do something different next time, right? Shame is not faith. It is not commendable to walk around in shame. 
it is not commendable to walk around in regrets. If you don't lay it down with the word, your faith will be burdened by regrets. You have to lay it down with the word of God. The word says, I've been redeemed. Amen? So you need to live as though you never missed it. Live as though you never missed it. How many of us are doing this? Are we living today like I never did anything wrong yesterday? You know why? Because it, the blood of Jesus, it doesn't just cover it. It cleanses it. It annihilates it. It gets rid of it. And so we bring our sins to him. We bring our regrets, our, the places we've missed in our life, and we say, Lord, I just asked you to forgive me. And he says, okay, you're forgiven. Get up. Make decisions as though you've never missed it. Don't make decisions based on your past and the mistakes you made. The blood of Jesus puts us in a place where we've never missed it. The blood of Jesus puts us in a place where we have never missed it. Think about that. The blood doesn't cover, it cleanses. The word of God removes the struggle. We don't have to struggle anymore. <laughs> Amen? We don't have to struggle with ourselves and with our weaknesses and our insecurities. We can be confident and, and walk boldly because of, the, of Jesus and what he did for us in that place. Amen? We cannot live out of a mental arena with this. If you are trying to capture this and wrap your mind around it, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to stay in that place. You cannot do it with your mental arena. You have got to go to the, to the place of exchange. That place of exchange is uh, the blood of Jesus. It's at the cross, at the, at the feet of Jesus, and say, Lord, I just, I got to give it to you. Don't try to wrap your mind around anything or figure it out. Ephesians 2 talks about it, that we, we one time we're walking in our sense and our reasoning, senses, our senses, our five senses. We at one time, but it goes on to say that we've been redeemed from that. We're in a different place. We're walking and we're being led by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God, amen, not by our emotions, not by how we're feeling about things. If you're being guided by your feelings, then you've got to get in the Word and find out who you are and find out what the Word of God says. I am what the Word says I am, who the Word says I am. I can do what the Word says I can do. I can have what the Word says I can have, amen? Are y'all hot or is it me? Okay. <sighs> I'm working up a storm. So the whole man has been redeemed. Every part of you has been redeemed. Amen? I'm so thankful. You get to live days of heaven on earth, not just your salvation from hell. Um, <clears throat> so some people will say, I have to talk it out. I already talked to you about that. So how do we have a rich, bold fellowship with God if we are sorrowing or grieving under decisions we've made or regrets that have happened to us? How can we have a rich, bold fellowship with Jesus with our Father, if we're living in that place of regret. It's impossible. It gets in the way. Now, it's not that he's refusing us. It just gets in our way of being able to receive and see who we really are. How many got up in this morning and looked in the mirror? Y'all probably did. Hopefully, y'all did. Brush your teeth. Looked at what you looked. The Word talks about it that when we, uh, when we look into the mirror, the mirror is the Word of God. It helps us see who we really are. But the word also talks about when we walk away from it, we forget. And that's why we've got to get into the word at all times, many times throughout the day. It's good for us. Just, you got five minutes and uh, stick on, on uh, MP3 or something in, in your car or whatever and listen to what the word of God is saying about who you really are. Because there has to be a transformation uh, in your mind. Because, you know, when we become Christians, we become 
uh, new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So the newness is, is my spirit is alive unto God. I'm a new person. I'm, I'm dead to all the other things. But my mind has to be renewed and restored, right? There has to be a, a, a renewal of what the word says about who I am. Otherwise, we're just operating out of that old man, that old thinking, the old stinking thinking. How many had old stinking thinking at one time? Amen. So don't let what he conquered hold you back from what he purchased for you. He carried your sorrows. Um, we have to choose to take the higher thoughts. Don't take these, the low thoughts anymore. Thoughts and words will keep you in bondage. How many have discovered that in your own life? Thoughts and words will keep you in bondage. First John 4, 17, it says, In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us that we may, be, we may have confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. Well, how is he right now? Is he, is he thinking about his problems? Is he thinking about his regrets? Is he thinking about sorrow and grief? No, as he is, so are we in this world right now. He's victorious. He's an overcomer. He's seated. Amen? He's seated in heavenly places, as are we. We have been given authority over the enemy. So there's a place that we need to have an understanding of where we need to flow from and uh, become more skillful at understanding who we are and that we don't have to live in that place of regret. And so, um, let's see how much time we have. So, uh, we aren't righteous because we are right. We are righteous because he made us right. Our righteousness comes from him. It's not because of what we do right, what we say right. It's because of the righteousness of Christ that he has provided for us. Amen. And so we have to see that. The more we see it, the more we'll walk in it. And the opposite is true. The, the less we see it, the more unrighteousness conscious we become. Because there's going to be things that we're going to say and do that are going to uh, uh, cause us to um, pull away from our faith. It'll, it'll, want us, it'll make us want to pull away from what we believe. And that's where we've got to have an understanding of what the Word says about who we are. So immediately when we see we've slipped up, we've messed up, we get right back where we need to be. Amen? Because if we don't, then it'll just, it'll just push us back. It'll push us back. And then we think we have to do all these works to get back into a place. And, and it's not about works. You guys know that. It's not about works. Although we do need to be in a place in His presence where we're being transformed. So, uh, and getting into the Word of God. Amen. Are y'all awake? Okay. Poke the person next to you. <laughs> so God doesn't even go back into our past to fix it. He's already cleansed us. You don't have to accept a measure of defeat because you missed it somewhere. I, I think sometimes we think, well, I know who I am, and I know, I know I've messed up before, but because of this one thing, this, this one measure of thing, I, I think I can live here in this place. No, it's all new. It's all brand new in him. Amen? I'm so thankful for that. We don't have to accept a measure of defeat. We can't move forward if we try and bear what only he, has he is qualified to bear. We cannot move forward if we try to bear something that he alone has been qualified to bear. You get it? Okay, so 1 John 1, 9 says, 
if we freely admit and confess our sins, and you guys know the scripture, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us, cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if we initiate, there's the beginning, there's our part. If we confess our sins, and then there's his part. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And so we have to own up to it and confess it to be redeemed from it, right? So, and, and I know there's some people that teach, well, you, you know, once you did it once, then you don't have to do it again. Well, I don't know about that. I, 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 you know, the word says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> We've all sinned and fallen short. And I think that it's important that we stay right and righteous before him. Amen. We confess our sins. And so once we've confessed it, how long should we feel bad about it? That's it. That's it. It's gone. He doesn't even remember it anymore. I, I remember a story about one of our fathers of faith. He, um, you know, did several things in ministry through the years. And the Lord spoke to his heart and said, there was one thing that you didn't do quite how I asked you to do it. And he fell on his knees and said, Lord, Please forgive me. I, I didn't, I did the best I could, but I didn't realize I missed it. And he kept going on and on. And he said, get up. He said, the Lord told him, get up, get up, get up. You said, I'm sorry. That's all I need. Get up, get up. And I think sometimes we think we have to live this long, long, and I know maybe depending on what religion you've been under in your past, there's this long identification with being a sinner saved by grace. And, and, and we are. I'm not taken away from that, but, you know, we're just a poor old, you know, just, oh, no. He's made us righteous. He's made us kings and priests. We can come boldly to the throne of grace in our time of need. I'm so thankful. We don't have to walk around with our heads down, feeling sorry and feeling bad because of things we've done. in our, And you might say, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't care. I don't care what you've done. Look at the men on either side of Jesus at the cross. He said, they said, will I be with you in heaven? He said, yes, you will. There's no sin that is too big for God to forgive. Amen. There's no sin that any man needs to carry or bear that Jesus didn't already take at the cross. Amen. Aren't you thankful? Praise God. So one of the greatest acts of faith is to believe that he bore it and step back into our position of righteousness. That takes faith to do that. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us unto us all things that pertain in, into life, unto life and godliness. I want to read just a little segment of this book. This is my brother-in-law's book. It's a new one that just came out. It's called In Christ. This changes everything. How many know when you became a Christian, it changed everything in your life? Amen. So the, the key here, and I'm talking about regrets, I'm talking about carrying grief and sorrow over things in your past. Maybe it's been done to you, not something that you did, but something that was done to you. This, this talks about the Word, how the Word works in our life, and the importance of the washing of the Word. And uh, it says, if you keep looking into the Word, it will save, deliver, heal, and restore your soul. It will bring the blessing of God. Acknowledge who you are and what you have in Christ. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why when we get into the word of God, it divides between your soul 
your, your mind, your will, and emotion, and your spirit. And until you become skillful at understanding what is your soulish realm and what is your, the spirit realm, then th that's the key to this. That's the key to you walking in the, in the fullness of what God has provided for you. It is not his will for you to walk around thinking about how bad you are and how, how you know, all the regrets that you have in your life. Nothing can separate your soul and your spirit but the word of God. Nothing. You might ask, why do they need to be separated? God says that you're a new creature in Christ. He says you've been made righteous and triumphant, but your mind is in disagreement. See, there's the problem. The mind, the, the mental realm wants us to think, nah, you're just, you're just a stupid idiot. You can't do anything right. He says you've been made righteous and triumphant. God says that you're a new creature, but your mind is in disagreement. Your circumstances are in disagreement. Your feelings are in disagreement. But the word is like a sharp sword. It will cause your circumstances and your feelings to agree with the word of God. The sword will reach into your soul and separate and cut things out that are hindering you from fulfilling the will of God and being blessed. Ephesians 6.17 talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word will cut controlling influences off of your life. Please write that down. The Word will cut controlling influences off of your life and will cut things out of your soul that are not in agreement with God's Word. Let me just say this. There are controlling influences in the world. You know, there's, there's a spiritual atmosphere we, you know, the word talks about it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of the world. We all know that there's a spiritual, you all know there's a spirit world out there, right? This isn't new. And the more you give way to those spiritual influences in your life, the more you allow your mind to think about things like regrets, sorrows, griefs, these things, the more influence you're allowing those spirits to have in your life, the more they will dominate your thought processes, your spirit. It'll get into your heart, and it'll cause you to think things that are not God's thoughts. And as a man thinks, so you will become. So if you don't like who you've become, then I would just encourage you to get in the Word of God and change your stinking thinking and find out what the Word of God says. I'm not trying to be ugly, but you get what I'm saying. Because if you'll find out what the Word of God says about who you are, then all of a sudden you'll start thinking, wait, wait, God says that I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Greater, the greater one's on the inside of me. I can have anything, the Word of God says. I, I put my hand to anything and it's blessed. Amen? The Word says that everything I set my hand to is prosperous and blessed. It says that I have favor with God and with man. That word mean, favor means high esteem with God and with man. If you don't have favor with God and with man right now, then I would say you need to get in the word of God and start focusing on that scripture. If you're dealing with anxiety and fear and frustration, then you need to get in some scripture that talks about the peace of God ruling and reigning in your heart and your mind. Meditating on the word. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let it do what it's so good at doing. It's like medicine. How many of you have ever taken medicine and, and the first time you took it, you thought, well, I don't feel anything. But then you take it about a week and maybe you start feeling a little something. And like, you know, they say with any kind of vitamin, it takes at least a month or so, right? 
for you even to see any kind of change. So one time in the Word is not going to do a change. I mean, it's doing a change, but you're not going to feel the change. You've got to stay there. You've got to be in that place. Repeat, repeat, repetition. And all of a sudden, you're going to look back after a couple months and go, oh, I'm thinking different. Oh, I'm becoming more skillful at those thoughts that are coming at me, telling me that I'm a loser and that I'm living in regrets and I can't have this and I'm never going to marry and I'm never going to, you know, get over this. And those thoughts all come under the blood of Jesus because the word of God is dividing between your soul and your spirit. And it's disconnecting you from those controlling spirits that need to be cut off your life. Amen? So... It will cut controlling influences off of your life and will end, it will cut things out of your soul that are not in agreement with God's word. What happens when you begin to acknowledge, I am who God says I am? God says that I'm an overcomer, so I say I'm an overcomer. God says I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, so I say right now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. The sword of the Spirit cuts controlling influences from your life. We think that it's just a simple thing, just getting into the Bible is not just another book. It's not just reading another book. There are depths to the Word of God that come into your spirit and make a change and make a difference. There's life in the Word. So when you apply that life into into your spirit, something that's been dead on the inside, it just revives, revives your desires, revives uh, uh, the, the, the things that you've had maybe since a child, some things that you've wanted to do with your life, you've been thinking, man, those things are dead on the inside of me because of all that I've gone through. I've made some really bad decisions in my life. But are you going to let those decisions, those bad decisions dominate you and control your future? Because they may have controlled your past, but they don't have to control your future. You can make a a difference. You can make a change right now. So God has deposited everything we will need in us through his word for life and godliness. I have what I need on the inside of me because I have the hope of glory on the inside of me. And so what happens when I read the word of God, it it is agreement. It's agreement with my spirit. My spirit is in line with God, but when I'm meditating on other things, I become tainted with other ideas, other thoughts, other impressions, other influences. That's why, you know, this is one of the things we really teach strongly in this church. It's important what you're taking in with your eyes, what you're taking in with your ears, what music you're listening to, what movies you're meditating on, what, what you're talking about. Those things are all coming into the senses, and it's changing your life either for the better or for the worse. And so if you're... Uh, if you're not in the Word of God, then there's nothing there to quicken your spirit to, to because uh, your your spirit is alive unto God, but it becomes it becomes deadened when you're putting in the wor- the world. You see what I'm saying? When you partake in more of the world, you become used to it. It's like you become less righteousness conscious and become a little bit more self conscious. <laughs> My brother-in-law says you become unconscious because after a while, you, you know, you, you don't realize, you know, it's like a callus. 
you know, my husband has calluses on his hands from playing the guitar for so many years. He, there's no feeling in parts of his fingers because they've been so hardened because they've been used for a, a, as a tool for something. And that's what happens with your heart. It becomes hardened, becomes callous to things after a while. And you don't even recognize when maybe you might be a little off course or you might be saying some things that aren't coming in line with the word. That's why it's important we stay in the word of God. Amen. So, last verse, 2 Peter 1, 3, th 3 through 4. And this is uh, the New Living Translation. It says, by his divine power, God has given everything we need for life, for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Do you know what the promises of God are for your life? These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. We can escape destruction. We can escape the things of this world by staying in this place, of being in the spirit, seeking his face, and being in the word of God on a daily basis. Amen? Pastor Steve spoke recently on being a partaker of his divine nature. It was a great what was that, two weeks ago on a Sunday? I think it was two weeks. Uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen. It was so good. But being a partaker means you got to take something in. You can't just expect to float, float around, and everything will just kind of float to you. you got to initiate. God, he, he doesn't ever impose himself on us. He's a gentleman. And as you know, he's all about you choosing. He's not going to come against your will. You have to will for him to be a part of your life. And that's not just one time when you become saved. You have to will for him to be a part of your life each and every day, in each and every moment of the day, right? That's why the word says, choose you this day whom you will serve. And that's going to happen again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Every day you're going to have to choose whom you're going to serve. And either you're going to serve yourself and the world or you're going to serve him. And when you become a servant to him, the Word of God talks about in Romans that you're a slave to whom you obey. And so if you're obeying Him and you're obeying the Word of God, then that place of slavery, if you will, becomes a safe place because then you become your mind gets in line with what the Word says about who you are. Does that make sense? And so you become dominated by the glory of God, and we just move from faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength, and we have a re realization, and we become skillful, having an understanding of what God has for us in this life. So we're running this race. We're at the end of this part of the race, and it's important that we be skillful runners. Amen? How many were skillful runners at one time physically? You guys were? All of you were? So y'all are laughing at my explanation of it because I have no clue. But um, so you guys know then that, that there's some requirements to be a good runner, right, to run the race. And you have to apply yourself. So I want to encourage you. Let go of the regrets. Be careful where your mind goes. Be skillful at understanding what is truth and what is lie. And don't take in what the enemy is saying about you. Embrace the word of God and what he says.